السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين My brothers and sisters, the verses that were read are the verses of Surah Al-Qasas where the story of the Prophet Musa alayhi salam is mentioned and from the beginning Allah Almighty talks about how when he was in a cradle, in a little basket actually thrown into the Nile, into the river, into the water. And I think I'm going to pick up from these verses in order to speak about something this evening. I'm sure you would all admit, those of you who've been to Makkah al-Mukarrama, and in all honesty, I thoroughly enjoy the recitation of Sheikh Munir because it's almost a split imitation of Sheikh Mahir al-Maiqili. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them all goodness and every one of us. Amen. So my brothers and sisters, something happened. The Pharaoh used to kill the little baby boys because some fortune teller told him that the boys are going to, one of the boys is going to grow up and upseat you, meaning take you off your throne and overpower you. And he was very very powerful. The Pharaoh was so powerful. There were tens of thousands of people working for him and they achieved so much. You know, the pyramids that we go to see today, they are from back in the day, subhanallah. Without the technology and tools that we have today, they put that up. Allah Almighty tells us about Musa alayhi salam. And something very interesting is, he was saved against all odds when every child, every male child, was being killed by the Pharaoh every second year, every alternate year, because that's what he was told by a fortune teller. But the fortune teller didn't give him the true picture because he didn't know the true picture. Imagine someone tells you, well, you know what, uh, I can tell you your future. What's the true answer? If someone were to tell you, I can tell you your future, what are you going to tell them? I don't want to know it and I don't believe you know it. And even if you think you know it, you don't. I remember a friend a friend of mine, and I've said this before, some of you might have heard it. He was at an airport and there was a guy who comes up to him. He was walking with his wife. He says, I can tell you your future for $70. He says, I don't want to know it. I can tell you your future for $70. And he kept walking with them. You know, in some countries, people are insisting on selling you something. They walk for a mile with you and they want to sell you these things. I don't know if you've seen that in some countries. I'll tell you your future for 70 bucks. I don't want to know it. He kept walking. He kept walking. I'll tell you your future for $50. He kept walking. I'll tell you your future for $30. He kept walking. And then there came a time when he sat down with his wife and he was now, you know, ready to, to fly out. And this guy comes and sits next to him and says, I'll tell you your future for five bucks. You're going to live for 70 years and this and this. And he started rattling things. This guy is not interested. I'm not interested in what you're telling me. I don't want to know. 
When he finishes, he says, right, give me my five dollars. He says, look, I didn't want to know anything. You owe me five bucks. I told you your future. He says, listen, if you didn't even know that I'm not going to give you five dollars, how would you know my future? Simple, right? You didn't even know the five bucks is not coming in your direction. And you want to come and tell me, I can tell you what's going to happen. You're dying in 70 years. Forget about 70 years. The next seven minutes you don't know. <laughs> so the same applies with these fortune tellers of the time. You know, Allah Almighty says, Shaitan says uh, 99 lies and gives, throws one truth at you. Throws one truth at you. So you're really confused because you think, oh, wow. That's so true, you know, that's so true. And then you start believing the lies as well. And he makes a fool of you and a mockery of everyone. He says to the Pharaoh, the fortune teller, that someone is going to take this kingdom away from you. Who is he? Well, he's a boy born to Banu Israel. And he will be born one of the odd years. Well, I'm going to kill them. He says, you can do that. So this guy comes and starts killing Musa alayhi salam against all odds. When Allah wants something, nothing can stop it. You need to know that if the entire nation gets together to harm you, they will never be able to harm you except with that which Allah has written against you. So Musa alayhi salam is born and they hide him and they succeed and there comes a time when then they start thinking to themselves this little baby is going to be perhaps found out, you know, exposed. So they decide let's do something. What should we do? Allah says we inspired, we inspired the mother of Musa alayhi salam to do certain things. And one of the things was to put him into a little basket and to put that basket into the water and tawakkul Allah, leave it to Allah. Allah knows what he wants. And the basket was driven. You know, they call it a Moses basket. To this day, you know, you carry little babies. They say, oh, that's a Moses basket. I remember buying a pushchair for my grandchild and, and they, 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 it, it was advertised as a Moses basket. Subhanallah, amazing. And I'm thinking to myself, it's nowhere near the Moses basket. Probably put this in water, it will drown, right? But they put it in water, they left Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of the child. And guess what? The Pharaoh didn't have children. So the wife looks at this little baby and says, hey man, look at this. It's come all the way to us. And so she decides to pick the baby up. And the Pharaoh's a little bit worried. He wants to figure out who this is. And what's going on? But at the same time, he wants his wife to be happy. And so, he's playing on, playing along. Okay? The child does not feed and cries. Until they get back to the mother of Musa, alayhi salam. Allahu Akbar. Allah says, we promised you. We promised you. And these were the verses read tonight. We promised you and we made a promise to you. And we returned him to you so that your eyes could be cooled and so that you could know that the promise of Allah is the truth. Has Allah not promised us? In life, 
You may be separated from your loved ones. You may be going through tough times. There may be problems. There may be issues. There will be issues. Bear patience. Look at these people. They were closer to Allah than you and I. Musa alayhi salam, a prophet of Allah, his mother, the mother of a prophet. And she was told, don't worry, we will take care of him. Do you not think Allah will take care of your children and mine? For as long as you're steadfast and you keep trying and you fulfill whatever you can in terms of the capacity that Allah has given you and Allah will take care of the situation. It's amazing. فَالْتَقَطَهُ آلُ فِرْعَوْنَ فَالْتَقَطَهُ آلُ فِرْعَوْنَ لِيَكُونَ لَهُمْ Allah says, the family of the Pharaoh picked him up as lost property. In order for him to be an enemy of theirs and to be a source of sadness for them, but they were excited. Picking up a child, that's mine not yours, belongs to someone else. And Allah says, فَرَدَدْنَاهُ إِلَىٰ أُمِّهِ كَيْ تَقَرَّ وَلَا تَحْزَنْ We returned him to his mother so that her eyes could be cooled by looking at him, by receiving him, by holding him once again and so that she would not be sad, and so that she would know that the promise of Allah is the truth, but many people don't know. That's what Allah says. So if Allah's taken something away from you, you lost something, whether it's your health, your wealth, someone close to you, a loved one, Allah says, don't worry, we will return to you. Either that or what is better than that. I tell all of you who have lost a loved one to death, someone whose loved ones have passed on, Allah is going to unite you in the hereafter. It's just a matter of time. He will bring you together with your loved ones, no matter who they are, your parents, your grandparents, you will see them again by the will of Allah. Don't lose hope. Life on earth is very short. It's just a few years. Work hard, do good deeds. And there we go. When, when your last moments are there, you go with a smile, you're happy. Did you know that the soul is actually taken by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The instruction he gives to the angels based on the person's goodness. You're a good person. You're generally a person who is connected to Allah in a bigger way, in a good way. You tried your best on earth. You were pleasant. You've tried to fulfill the rights of Allah and the rights of fellow humans. And Allah Almighty says, you know what? The angels who will come to take your soul away will come in a very pleasant form. Very pleasant. Dressed in absolutely attractive dress. So pleasant they come to you, you would begin to smile. And they will address you before you actually are taken away. Just before you're taken away, they will give you good news. What's that good news? Listen to the verse of the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make each one of us this. Ameen. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا 
Allah says, those who say that our Lord is Allah and then they are steadfast. Just those two things. What did you do? You said our Lord is Allah. My Lord is Allah. And then you are steadfast. The word steadfastness would include fulfilling the commands of Allah and abstaining from the prohibitions of Allah, seeking the forgiveness of Allah wherever you faltered because you're a human. And that would be steadfastness. I'm steadfast. Steadfast means I'm trying my best to tread this particular path. Wherever I've meandered a bit, I quickly come back on that path. My Lord is Allah and I'm steadfast. Listen to what Allah says. With those two qualities, Allah says, تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ The angels come down to him, talking about the time of death. Don't be afraid and don't be sad. Allahu Akbar. Imagine at the moment of death, everyone is sitting. It could happen. It has happened. People sitting around you, your family, your loved ones, and you're like struggling because you can't breathe anymore or you're about to go. But the angels that have come to take you are telling you, don't worry. No need for you to be sad. We've come here to give you good news of a lovely place awaiting you. And we're about to take you away. But no need to be sad. No need to fear. No need to worry. How do you think such a person will go? You're smiling, man. Subhanallah. You're happy. I've seen it happening. I've sat around people who've passed on. And I've seen some people, they're smiling. And they just pass away. And it's like they, they have a smile on their face. You may have seen that. What happened? Allah knows. I'm presuming, but Allah knows best. I'm presuming they were probably given glad tidings. That's why they're, they're ready to go. I actually came across an incident at a hospital. We went to visit someone who was terminally ill. And they were so happy. They said, they, they, they've come. And we're like looking, who's come? And you're looking, there's no one come. And they're like sort of happy. Hey, make space, make space. I heard it with my ears. And a little while later, they read the Shahada and they were gone. Just like this. Flick. Out. The hadith says a true believer, when the soul is being got, uh, taken out, it's taken out like a hair being pulled out of your throat and it's gone. And where did you go? You went to an amazing place, unique, superb. You will forget almost everything that was on earth. Just like you can't remember a thing that was in the womb of your mother, but you were definitely there for nine whole months. Do you remember anything there? Anyone? I'm asking you. Do you remember anything there? Besides the sister up there. Everybody else? Sorry, I'm just joking. No sister put her hand up. But at the same time, you don't remember a thing. But you were there. And you, you crossed over into this world. You crossed over into this world. And then everything that was there became irrelevant, didn't it? Allah says, you got one more crossing. It's going to be better, unique, amazing. And when you get there, forget, you forget all the troubles of this world, everything. And that's why when people say, you know, I can't have, I've got sugar. Not me, I'm just telling you what people say, right? The guy says, I've got sugar. I can't have Coke. But when I get to Jannah, I'll ask Allah for Coke. <laughs> so my brother, you know what, you're crazy. You probably have the crappiest thing in the whole of Jannah. Imagine asking Allah for Coke in Paris. Coke, are you okay? 
And when the young man tells you, ask Allah for coke, you wonder what coke he's talking about. <laughs> May Allah forgive us. Aim high, please aim very high. Aim high, don't aim at little things here, man. Allahu Akbar. Allah will, Allah will grant you Jannah. When Allah grants you Jannah, you say, Oh Allah, bless me with that which no one has seen. No, no eye has seen, no ears have heard. No one's ever even thought about it. It hasn't crossed the mind of anyone. That's Jannah. Subhanallah. So, we ask Allah's goodness and we're aiming for a good place. I was saying, if I were at the point of death and the angels had to come to me, may it happen and give me glad tidings. I'm going away with a smile. But guess what? I'm gone to an amazing, awesome place. But the people around me are sad and they're going to be crying for some days, man. I hope, I hope they cry. Because, you know, sometimes some of the people, they say, hey, wow, finally gone, huh? <laughs> finally gone. Phew, that was about 10 years too late. Today I read an article about something and they were saying that if we want something to happen, we're going to have to wait for X, Y, Z to pass away. That's what, I actually read that. And I'm thinking to myself, imagine people have to wait for someone to die before they can achieve something. What type of people are those? I hope I'm not one of those. And I hope we're not any of those. Because if I were to die, I, I, I wouldn't like them to cry a lot, but I'd like them to at least miss me, cry a little bit here and there, you know. And I'd like them to say he was a good man, you know, he did a few good things in his life and so on. Same applies to all of us. Wouldn't you like to be remembered by at least your families and generations to whatever degree Allah's allowed it in a good way? Wouldn't you like them to say one or two good things is a good man instead of all the bad things? So work on your habits. Work on how you treat others, even if they treat you a little bit rough. It's okay. Try your best to work on the way you manage people, the way you treat them, the way you communicate with them. People mean a lot. Because the hadith says, if a person passes away and a large number of people bear witness that that was a good person, Allah says, we will grant them paradise based on the bearing of witness by the people for that person. Amazing. That's why they say when there's a janaza, you know, the prayer, when it has more than a certain number of people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I've forgiven this person because of the number of people who prayed on him. Do you know that? Imagine if someone had to hear about your death today. Do you think that the whole community would get up and come and pray? If that is the case, good news to you. Some might say, well, they don't know me and they don't need to know you. Allah might give you a death where they will get to know you because of that death. I had a brother, hardly known, hardly known. He passed away in sujood, in salah. The whole community came to pray. Why? Because of how he passed away. The whole community came to pray. His janazah. How he passed away. It's got nothing to do with known or unknown. Allah will make you known. When he needs it to be somewhere, it will be there. That's Allah. So don't lose hope. You lost a loved one, it's okay. You're going to join them soon. And another thing I want to mention, did you know that when a believer passes away, the time between the death and the day of judgment is crumpled to a few moments only like a flash. You don't feel it. So you've died. You're in your grave. There's still thousands of years left for the day of judgment. But for you, it's a flash. For the people who are on earth, it's taking long. 
So the hadith says when a believer passes on, the time span for them in terms of how they feel it between death and the day of judgment is like a flash. Amazing. I can give you another example of a lower degree, but you will understand it, that of sleep. If there are two people on the bed, husband and wife, one falls off to sleep and he's snoring, okay? Notice I said he's snoring, okay? Got to blame the guys. He's snoring and she's awake. She's awake. Tell me whose time goes by faster. You're just tossing and turning and listening to the sound and cursing and whatever. I hope not anyway. But you, you, you know, you're thinking of different things and you're upset and you're feeling this and that and so on. And the minutes, you're counting the minutes and you're counting the hours. And then you know what happens? This guy gets up with the alarm clock, five o'clock in the morning. And he gets up, he says, it's already Fajr. What do you mean already Fajr? Are you, are you okay? It's finally Fajr. Same people, same bed. One was awake, one was sleeping. This guy gets up and says, it's already Fajr. And his wife says, you mean it's finally Fajr? I waited for this for how many hours? He says, I'd like to sleep a little bit more, a little bit more. And what happens? He snoozes and before you know it, the sun has risen. How did the time fly? It's because you were sleeping. The condition in which you were did not allow you to feel the time. The same applies on a higher level regarding when you've died and you're a believer, the time between death and qiyamah is like a flash for you. So don't despair. It's not going to be long like what you and I think. We're awake, you know. Finally, it's judgment. They say judgment came so quick. May Allah make it easy for us. And then we get to another point where as a believer, we are taught, as believers, we are taught that when you look at death, ask Allah to keep you alive for as long as he knows being alive is better for you. And to take you away when he knows it's the best time to take you away. That is the true dua of a believer. It is a sunnah made by the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Oh Allah, keep me alive. For as long as you know that life is better for me. Take me away when you know that it's best for me to go. When you have a problem, difficulty, hardship, whatever it may be, don't ever ask Allah, oh Allah, take me away. I'm going through a lot of struggles. No. You're a believer. Go through the struggles. Endure them. It's okay. It's temporary. It's short. Don't worry. It might last a year, two years, five years. Today, I visited a brother. The only brother that I actually visited in Leicester. He has cancer. May Allah Almighty grant him cure. I went to see him and sat with him and I asked him about something that happened in his life that was a little bit negative. What happened? He said, Wallahi, as you told me two years ago that don't worry, inshallah, this will be the best thing that would have ever happened to you. He said, Wallahi, it was. I said, how? He said, because as a result of what Allah denied me, he blessed me with something greater than what he took away from me. And I've only realized it two years later. So, we need to talk about those two years. It's difficult, it's hard. You're awake, you're tossing, you're turning. Time is not passing because you're going through hardship. You know when you're having fun, go on holiday, before you know it, you mean it's over. We were here for seven days already in Makkah. I say yes, already. 
come to Zimbabwe. We count those seven days, mashallah. <laughs> I gave you the example of Zimbabwe because there are Zimbabweans here in the crowd today. Yeah. One day passes, hey, when are we going back, man? <laughs> first day. You're still here. It's just the first day. It's the first afternoon, my brother. Brace. Why? Because you might not have electricity, you might not have water, you come out with a beautiful motor vehicle, you hit a pothole, and what happens? Your tires burst, and then you're going to, and before you know it, you know what? You want to go back. But when you're in a nice place, what happens? Before you know it, the time is done. You've got to go back. That's Allah. It's a plan. That's the way Allah works. So my brothers and sisters, do not despair. The, the difficult period. That's what we need to talk about. You need to bear patience through that. Connect with Allah. Allah will grant you overcoming. It's a tough time. You went through a difficult situation. It's a matter of time before Allah blesses you with something amazing that didn't even cross your mind. How many people has this happened to? I'm sure many of us seated here, we've had miracles. Have there not been days in our lives, all of us, when we were going through challenges and we probably thought, how am I going to get out of this today? Aren't you out of it? So now if you have a new challenge, do you not trust the same Lord who took you out of the previous challenges? Where were you? Where are you? And we came onto this earth in order to be tested. Musa alayhi salam returned to his mom. She couldn't believe it. All she knew is Allah inspired me to do this. So I trust Allah. I trust Allah. You trust Allah, but you've left your child in the water, gone with a stream, flow of water, and you saw your child go. Doesn't it sound absurd? But because it was the instruction of Allah, I trust Allah. The first day when I arrived, I spoke about Sulaiman alayhi salam and what Allah blessed him with. The second day I spoke about Yusuf alayhi salam and the challenges he went through. And how 40 years later, there was a conclusion. How many years later? 40. 4-0. By that time, a lot of us would probably say, what was the point? 40 years, my life is over. No, Allah knows. Allah gave you a time when you will still forget what happened in the past. You see, when someone does something nasty to you, we're taught in Islam, forgive them if you can. Forgive them. But don't forget it. Because if they were to bite you again from the same angle, you'd like to protect yourself. You know? But Allah will give you over time, if it is deserving of it, a time when you will forget it because of the goodness that followed. How many times someone really did something nasty? And after that, for years they were so kind and so good that you forgot the nastiness. Allah made you forget it. If you yourself wanted to forget it, you wouldn't be able to. But because of the constant goodness, they broke your trust, but they built it over time such that you forgot that they broke your trust one day. Hasn't it happened? It has happened. And it will continue happening. So the one who will make you forget is Allah and Allah alone. As a human, you can't do it on your own. And it's over time. There were days when we struggled. There were times when we went through hardship. We were worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. What will happen this evening? Will we be able to afford this and that? Allah says, trust me. 
if I, if I can provide and I have provided for the ants, do you really think I'm going to miss you? That's Allah. That's Allah. So Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, he comes out and the story is amazing how they had to be led back to the mother. The mother is the one who breastfed him and they didn't even know this is actually the real mother of this child. Take a look at the positive. What was the positive? Was he not given a luxurious, beautiful, five-star upbringing that his mother would not have been able to afford? Imagine someone from the slums and ghettos. This is a different example. Someone from the slums and ghettos being adopted by someone living in a palace and a castle. And after they grow up and they have good language, good skills, so much of, you know, confidence and whatever else it might have been, they return to the biological original parents. Don't you agree the interim might have been tough for both parties, but some positive came out of it. They were, they were given an upbringing that even the parents would not have been able to afford for them. Right? Musa alayhi salam comes out And Allah made something happen because he wanted him to be exposed. He was about to become a prophet. And so he witnessed an argument between two people in the city. And he was strong, you know, big, burly, powerful. They say Musa alayhi salam was a, a huge person, dark in complexion, big beard. And two people were arguing from different clans, different tribes. And so Musa alayhi salam went to just check what's happening. He just fisted this guy a bit. Next thing the man dropped. Imagine how powerful he was. Well, fist, one fist. The guy drops. He dropped dead. May Allah protect us. Guys, don't go around punching people. You never know where that punch might land. Don't think I'm as strong as Moses, because huh? you're not. Be in deep soup. So this guy, he saw the dead person. He said, let me just go, because I'm going to be in trouble. He decided, let me disappear. Let me just run away. It was obviously a mistake. And that's when he was exposed. As he went, he went to Median. When he went to Madian, he made a dua to Allah. Oh Allah, Rabbi inni lima anzalta ilayya min khayrin faqir. Oh Allah. He didn't say, I'm in the greatest need of whatever you send me. He said, whatever you send me, I'm in the greatest need of it. What's the difference between the two sentences? Listen to carefully to what he said and what he could have said. He could have said, oh Allah, I'm in the greatest need of whatever you send me. That's, that's one way of saying it. That's, what, that's how we would have worded it, right? He didn't word it that way. He says, Oh Allah, whatever you send me, I'm in need of it. Big difference between the two sentences, but we don't think about it. The difference is, if we were to say, Oh Allah, I am in need, you are mentioning yourself before Allah. But he mentions the favor of Allah before his need. 
I don't, it's okay, whatever it is, what's coming from you, I need you right now. And that's not even how he worded it. He didn't say, I need you, but he said, whatever is coming from you, I'm in need of it. The need is mentioned after the gift. Big difference. He's thanking Allah already. Oh Allah, whatever's going to come down from you, I'm in need of it. And Allah knew in his heart, he's making a dua, he needs companionship, he's all alone. And just picture this, he's in a desert, there's a little water source that's there with a lot of people and their cattle and they're all trying to quench the thirst of their cattle one by one and he sees a number of sheep there with two girls and they're, they're at the back and everyone else is going right to the front and they're you know, getting their animals to drink and then they're moving on and he gets up very respectfully he gets up very respectfully and he asks these girls he asks them these women what are you doing they said they didn't tell him what they were doing they told him what they were not doing they didn't say we're about to go just now they said no we are not going to go that's what they said we are not going to go to quench the thirst of these animals until everyone else is gone that's what they said so notice how respectfully they're wording it we're not going to go until everyone is gone and a natural question would be in the mind of a respectable person that what are you guys doing here right Surely there should be some strong person helping you with this, you know, tough job. Before he could ask the question, they just responded to say, Wa abuna shaykhun kabir. Our father is an elderly man. So automatically you already now know, okay, I understand why you guys are here. You guys are here because your father's not fit enough to do it himself. So he sent the girls to go and do this. It's okay. You guys are helping your father. And you, you're not going to do it until everyone else has gone. Because you don't want to come in and, you know, it's, it's the respect. It's the way we're taught. And so he decides. And from this we learn the interaction with the opposite gender. Will happen, shall happen, has to happen, does happen, but should happen respectfully. I'm a Muslim. I would greet people of the opposite gender. I would greet people male, female, and so on. But it would happen respectfully. For as long as it is very respectful, you're in the right direction. You can't say, oh, you know what? There's a woman there. I can't. You're going to have to go into the market, into the pharmacy. You're going to have to buy. You're going to have to sell. You're going to have to do things. You're going to have to walk on the streets and so on. You will have to interact. It will happen. It has to happen both ways. That interaction, whenever it happens, must just be respectful. That's it. Get straight to the point. Say your thing and alhamdulillah. Be polite, be respectful and you've achieved what you're supposed to as a believer. Musa alayhi salam goes and helped them. And he was a strong man. He did it so quick. They got back home early. Father wants to know how come you guys came back so quick. And so subhanallah, they tell him the story. And they say, why don't you employ him? He can do a good job because the qualities of those whom we should employ are in that man. What are the two qualities? Qawi, Amin. 
He's strong, hardworking, and he's trustworthy. How do I know he's trustworthy? Because we are ladies. The way he spoke to us was so respectful. We knew he's a trustworthy man. You ask the women, they'll tell you, mm, this guy's got eyes, you better be careful. The way he looks, oh, I feel so uncomfortable. Doesn't it happen? Look at the brothers like as if it doesn't happen. Come on, guys. It happens. In fact, nowadays, it's the other way around as well. Right? The poor fellow's walking. He says, look at this woman looking at me. I can't believe it. You know? Allah forgive us. Okay, now you heard what I said. You see the first example? You guys were not too interested. When I flipped it, everyone's now giggling at it. Anyway, either way, it's okay. But you feel uncomfortable sometimes just because of the way someone's carrying themselves around you. And you would know automatically when someone's carrying themselves respectfully that, Wallahi, this is a good person. Agreed? You feel it. You can say, no, I trust this person because you know what? I feel at ease the way some people... They make you feel so uneasy. So they said, oh, our father, give him a job. The father understood, oh, my daughters don't really praise any guy. Here they are praising this guy. Let me just ask him, do you want to get married? I'll get you married to one of my daughters here. Straight to the point. You know, I was, uh, this morning, there was something that I, I saw. There was a clip that I saw. And they were talking about how a woman's hand in marriage is asked for by the man. In the culture, in the Western culture, generally they say, the man should ask for the woman's hand in marriage. And the clip was all about, have you ever thought why they ask for your hand in marriage? Do you ever see that clip, guys? Because they want you to work, day in, day out, everything, your hands, come here. That's why they ask for your hand. They don't ask for your heart in marriage your soul in marriage. They don't ask for your face in marriage. You know, They say, give us your hand in marriage. Amazing, you thought about it. And then you end up coming home and you've got to do the dishes and this and that. Why? Because he asked for your hand in marriage and you said, yes! You're the one who said yes. <laughs> May Allah forgive us. Obviously it's a joke. Guys, don't take me too serious. But when I saw that, I thought immediately that the West that screams about equality doesn't realize that in Islam it can be the other way around where a, a woman can ask for a man's hand in marriage. You know that. It has happened so many times. Example of Khadija binti Khuwailid radiallahu anha where she put forward a proposal to marry Muhammad against all odds and it was accepted. In this case as well, the father of these girls comes to Musa alayhi salam says, would you like to marry one of my daughters? And he's thinking, Amin, alhamdulillah, mashallah. I've just been praying to Allah to do this for me and here it is, it's come. He says, any one of the two. He says, but you work for me. You work for me for eight years and if you complete ten, it's a good thing. Imagine in today's world, if a, if a father of a bride has to say, Marry my daughter, come work at my shop for eight years. For eight years. We'd probably say, what? This guy thinks he's crazy. Is he mad? Wallahi, it's in the Quran. He says, Come work for me eight years. I get you married to one of my girls. And the man agreed. He agreed and he worked for him for eight whole years. Amazing. Have you ever thought of it? Musa alayhi salam worked for his father-in-law for eight whole years. But there's one narration that says he actually added an extra two and finished the whole, the whole decade. One decade. 
What was he doing? He was rearing the sheep. Subhanallah. And he did all other work for them. And then as he went, Allah gave him prophethood. I don't have much time to go through the rest of the story, but look at how Allah favored him. And Allah told him, we, we let you grow up in the house of the Pharaoh because you have to go back to him and you know him inside out. You lived in the same home. You now know this man. You need to go back. He claims he's the Lord of the world. Go and tell him. He says, how will I tell him? I need someone with me. My brother is very eloquent. Send him with, okay, we send him with you. Go, the two of you. We are with you. Allah says, we are with you. He went back to the Pharaoh very bravely, bold. He says, I'm here to give you a message. You are not the Lord of the worlds. Actually, the Lord of the worlds is your maker and mine. Worship him and him alone. The one who created the heavens and the earth. And the Pharaoh responded the way he did. And so much happened. But at the end, what happened? Whose victory was it? Was it not Musa alayhi salam and his people? So I want to end this evening's talk by saying, my brothers, my sisters, no matter what an oppressor may have done against you in your life, their days are numbered. The victory will come. If not now, then tomorrow. And ultimately, in the hereafter, they are never going to get away with it. Never. Someone has done something against you. Unless you forgive them, they won't be forgiven. But what's more scary is let's ensure that we are not the perpetrators. It's easy to say, yeah, if someone hurts me, look what we were told today. But you're the one who's going around hurting people. You're actually the criminal, not the victim. You're actually the perpetrator. So as much as we talk about victory coming to those who are oppressed, we need to talk about us not being the oppressor. Go easy on people. Help them. Serve Allah and go and be kind to the rest of the creatures of Allah. And Allah Almighty will grant you the best of this world in the next. I don't believe I've spoken for 42 minutes. Do you believe? That's what I was saying. Something good before you know it. 42 minutes up already. You mean your time? I was supposed to speak for 30 minutes. We've eaten another 12 minutes, mashallah. But I pray that a few of the lessons we've learned can help us through the struggles of our own lives. Whenever you read the stories of the prophets, don't just think that it's a fairy tale or don't just think that it's a story from the history. No, the lessons in those stories are the reason why Allah has kept them in revelation. Do you really think Allah would have something in the Quran just as a pastime? No way. If Allah has mentioned the story of Musa alayhi salam the most in the Quran, it's because he wants us to learn lesson from it. May Allah grant us that. Every time you read something, pause for a moment and tell yourself, how does this apply in my life? And you'll figure it out somehow. And Allah Almighty will grant you comfort. May Allah bless you all. Really, it's been so nice to see you guys this evening in Leicester. Faces I know, faces I don't know. Still, we're all brothers and sisters. And inshallah, may Allah bless you all. وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد